all so much for being with us today. We're thrilled that you're here. Uh, we are not here to impress each other with our nice clothes. Uh, we're not here to impress each other with our good conduct. We are here to boast in Jesus Christ and Him only. Amen? We're here to brag on Jesus and on the salvation and the life that He can bring to this whole world. We're here to remind ourselves that Jesus truly is the only way, truth, and life. And that He's given us a job to do. And that is to proclaim His name to the earth. uh, To talk about Him uh, in a way that is appealing to the people around us. To increase His fame and not our own. He is the one who died on that cross for our sins to give us life and salvation. And we've come together to commemorate that and to celebrate Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we just couldn't be more thankful that you're here today, especially if you're a visitor. Uh, We are very grateful for your presence, and we hope that you'll stick around for a little bit, allow us a chance to meet you. I know that we have uh, many people out on spring break. This is spring break in Franklin County, so I'm sure some are traveling. And so we want to keep them in our thoughts and prayers, but we're glad that you have decided to gather here this morning. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. We're going to hear from uh, Adam Barr, a missionary who we support over in Scotland, uh, a missionary that you support with your generosity. And so come back and hear uh, about an extension of our ministry, which goes on each and every day uh, across the pond, as it were, in Scotland. Adam Barr is speaking tonight at 6 o'clock. You know, as parents, those of us who are parents, We often end up saying things that we never thought we would say. Maybe things our parents said. And growing up, we said to ourselves, or maybe out loud, we observed, I will never say that to my children. If I'm blessed with children someday, they will never hear that coming out of my mouth. And then lo and behold, when the kiddos arrive, we start sounding an awful lot like our parents. We start saying the same things that they said. And then one day, we stop dead in our tracks and we say, oh my goodness, I am my father. Oh no. I have become my mother. I sound just like my mother. One thing that us parents often say is, make up your mind. Would you please make up your mind? What do you want for lunch? Do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or ham and cheese? Which is it? Pick one. Quit beating around the bush. Would you make up your mind? Are you going to go in or out? Are you going to play in the backyard or are you going to play in the den? Make a decision and close the door because I'm not paying to have the backyard air conditioned, okay? So shut the door. Either come in or out. What are you going to wear today? Is it this pair of pants or that one? We're already running late. We are going to be late to school if you don't pick out a pair of pants, make up your mind. When the Bible talks about peace, our word for the day in our one word series, we might be tempted to say to the scriptures, would you please make up your mind? Because as we survey the biblical literature and as we look for occurrences of peace, it might sound as if The Bible is saying two things at once. For instance, in the book of Isaiah, in the Old Testament, 
The prophet declares in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, he is looking ahead uh, to the arrival of the Messiah, the Savior. He's prophesying about it, and he says, For to us a child is born, and I'm condensing here, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his peace there will be no end. There's a Savior coming someday. And one of his names will be the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. When the Savior arrives, so will an era of peace. But then we look in places like Matthew chapter 10. And we look at what that Savior has to say when he does arrive. Verse 34, Jesus, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Wait a second, Jesus. I thought you were the Prince of Peace. That's what Isaiah said when he talked about you. He talked about the coming Messiah, the Savior. He was to be called the Prince of Peace. Jesus says, don't you think for a minute I've come to bring peace? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I'm going to carry on in verse 35. I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, as if that relationship needed any more difficulty, any more strife. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Jesus says, I've not come to bring peace. I've come to bring conflict. And conflict among the people to whom you are the closest. The people in your own family. The people living under your own roof. And so we look at these two passages, and maybe we want to say, which is it? Which is it? Make up your mind. Is it going to be an era of peace or not? Is he a savior of peace or not? On the one hand, God promises peace to his people. And I think about another passage in Isaiah. Chapter 26, verse 3, a beautiful thought from the prophet. You, speaking of God, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In other words, the prophet says, those who devote themselves to the Lord, God gives and sustains peace within them. God brings peace to those who trust in him. And this word that we translate peace in the Old Testament, it is the Hebrew word shalom. And I bet many of you have heard this word. It's a very common greeting in Judaism. Shalom. It means peace. But it not only means the absence of conflict, which is what we often think of when we think of peace. You know, there's no conflict. Everything's just kind of calm. Everything's hunky-dory. It doesn't just mean that there's no conflict. It means that there's the presence of wholeness and completeness and health. This is talking about a holistic stability. Shalom, peace. The psalmist in the 119th Psalm says, Great peace have those who love your law. Those who love God. Those who love His commandments, His law. The psalmist says, they have great peace. And isn't that good news? I mean, it's a good thing. Because... We long for peace. We, I would say, and I'm not just talking about we in this building. I'm talking about we 
speaking of humanity, all people on planet Earth are as desperate for peace as the disciples were for that violent storm to die down. You remember when they were out on the lake and Jesus was asleep and the wind started picking up and the waves began crashing on the boat and they were saying, Jesus, how could you sleep while we perish? Please wake up and save us. They were desperate for the sea to die down and for the, for the winds to cease. And we are as desperate for peace in our world as they were for the storm to die down. Peace in our world. We see civil war and genocide in Syria. We see constant unrest in Israel and Palestine. We see oppression of people in places like North Korea. And we look at all these situations and our hearts are broken and we wish that we could do something to fix it. We wish we could act in some way to help, but we just don't know how. There doesn't seem to be any good solutions or any solutions that we can attribute to. And so we just cry out for peace. God, please bring peace to this earth. We long for peace in our country. We wish that those marching on that side of the street and those protesting on the other side of the street could somehow see each other as fellow human beings and sit down and talk and try to understand one another. We wish that the great turmoil in our nation would give way to peace. We long for peace in our relationships, in our connections. Though among those with whom we love and in whom we have relationships, with whom we have relationships. And yet, you know this to be true from experience. Even in our healthiest connections, there remains an undercurrent of tension and anxiety even in our relationships with our parents, with our closest friends, with our children, with our spouse, there's tension in our closest relationships. And we so want connections that are totally harmonious and peaceful, and yet they continually es escape our grasp. And we also want peace in ourselves. We want peace inside. We may seem to have it all together. And especially when we come to a place like this, we want people to think that we're put together and we've got all, we've, we're managing all our stuff inside. But inside, we are at war. You're at war with yourself. Your insecurities, your temptations, your shame, your pain, your loneliness, they all churn together in a whirlpool of inner turmoil. And so we long for inner peace and we cry out, God, Please bring calm to my troubled soul. We want peace. And so, when we come to the Scriptures and when the Bible shares that God is a bringer of peace, well, that puts a smile on our face and that brings us some relief and it's exceedingly good news. But then Jesus comes along and He says what He says in Matthew 10 and we wonder, what are we to make of that? If God is the bringer of peace, then why in the world would Jesus say, no, 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 not peace, a sword, conflict? Well, the explanation is found in the difference between a believer's inner peace with God and outer peace with the world. There's a difference between the inner peace that arises out of a right relationship with God 
and outer peace with the inhabitants of the world. It's possible. It's possible to be at peace with God and at war with non-believers, with outsiders, with the world. In fact, what Jesus tells us, Jesus' point in Matthew chapter 10 is that the former can actually cause the latter. Being at peace with God can actually place you in conflict with others. And some of us may be asking, well, why in the world, why does that happen? Uh, what is the cause of that? And the reason is the world in its current form is, and I don't have to tell you this, it's often hostile to the will of God. And so the person who has, is at peace with God, the person who is seeking to do God's will, follow God's word, is an affront to a sinful world's values. And this, this inevitably creates conflict. And it can even create conflict among those with whom you are the closest. Among those who are in your family. Among those who live under your roof. It can create conflict. Following Jesus can create conflict. Being at peace with God through Jesus can create conflict. And listen, the only peace... The only peace that we are promised, that we are assured here on this earth, in the here and now, is the inner calm that flows from a right relationship with God, from oneness with God. An art museum held an amateur painting contest. They offered a big cash prize to the artist who could paint the best picture of peace. Capture peace in a painting and you'll win big. A famous successful artist was brought in to be the judge and many amateur painters entered the contest. But eventually the pool of paintings was narrowed down to just two, two finalists. The first picture, I want you to envision it, was a calm lake. The lake was like glass, a perfect mirror reflecting the peaceful towering mountains all around. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. Everyone thought that, everybody who observed the painting thought it was the perfect picture of peace. They thought it was going to win, beyond a shadow of a doubt. The second finalist, that painting had mountains too, but these mountains were rugged and bare and severe looking. Above was an angry gray sky, dark clouds, rain was falling, lightning flashing. Down the side of the mountain tumbled what looked like a dangerous, foaming waterfall. And to most people, this did not look like a peaceful scene. But when the famous artist looked closely, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in the crack of the rock. And on that bush, a mother bird had built her nest. And there in the midst of that angry water sat the mother bird protecting her young the artist chose the second picture. Why? Well, it's because, he explained, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, no trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the peace that is delivered through a right relationship with God. Peace in spite of turmoil 
and sorrow and despair. And the obvious question that we should be asking is, how can I get in, in on that? How can I get that kind of peace? Well, let me share with you that true peace is only experienced through Christ. Christ is the answer. Everybody's looking for peace. Oh, I wish there could be peace in the world and in our country and in my relationships and in myself. And they're looking in all these places that are coming up short. And we have the answer in this book, and it's Jesus. Jesus brings peace. He is the only one that can provide peace. He can speak peace over the turmoil in our hearts just as he spoke peace over that stormy lake. Peace be still. Jesus is the starting point for peace. He is the baseline for peace, the only source of it. And he makes peace, Paul says in Colossians, by the blood of his cross. Chapter 1, verse 20. It is the blood of Christ that brings peace to people. Paul spells it out for us also in the book of Romans. Chapter 5, verse 1. He, he says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God because of Jesus. Through Jesus, through Christ, we can now be in a peaceful relationship with God. I love the song that we sang not too long ago. Peace, perfect peace. In this dark world of sin, did you know there's a question mark there? We don't sing it as if it's a question that might sound odd we were to sing it that way but the writer of this hymn places a question mark after the first sentence and therefore we should read it peace perfect peace in this dark world of sin is it even possible the hymn writer asks can there be perfect peace as we look around at all the sinfulness and strife in our world in this dark world of sin and he answers the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Now, for some unexplained reason, these words have been in my mind and often on my lips for several months now. And I will just find myself thinking of them or singing them to myself as I go throughout life. And maybe, maybe these are good words for you to place in your heart this morning. And I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what, what sort of upheaval, or what sort of conflict is occurring in your world, uh, in your life, in your relationships. But maybe when, when the, the weight of the world seems too great and you feel the burden on your shoulders, maybe these would be good words for you to return to. And for you to remind yourself that in spite of what's going on in the world, the blood of Jesus Christ whispers peace into my soul. The blood of Jesus brings peace within. And here's some more good news. Our inner peace will eventually become the outer reality. Eventually. Not in the here and now. But when Jesus returns, the peace that we experience now through our relationship with God it will be made manifest in the new heaven and earth, in our eternal state with God. And the peace that we feel now provides a preview of the peace God will bring about fully in the life to come. The peace 
that the Holy Spirit is bringing about in our heart, and we know that peace is a product of the Spirit from Galatians 5, that ought to provide us a glimpse of the peace that we will experience in its fullness when Jesus comes back. So, don't stop praying for peace. <laughs> you know, a lot of times people will get up here and, and will pray for peace, peace on earth, and I will admit to you that I think to myself, that, is, that sounds like such a pipe dream. I mean, really, is that possible? I mean, really, can even God bring that about? When you look at the turmoil and the wars in our world, but the fact is, God will eventually bring about peace, so don't stop praying for it. I love the vision that Isaiah, I keep returning to Isaiah. He gives a vision of our future in chapter 11. Beautiful imagery here of the peace that will exist in the life to come. He says, in, in that time, and this, this, is, uh, this is symbolic, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. Listen to this. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra with no fear because there'll be no danger because all will be peace. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adders or on the snake's den. Peace is coming someday. Don't stop praying. God will answer those prayers. And the peace in your heart gives you a preview of that coming day. When evil is vanquished, when God reigns completely, peace will permeate our existence. John in Revelation says every tear will be wiped away. Why? Because every conflict will be wiped away. An era of peace. Peace. And our job in the present? Well, it's to work toward that future reality. That's why Paul says, that's why the author of Hebrews says, work hard to live at peace with everybody, if it's possible. And as we know from Jesus, it will not always be possible. Our faith in God, our faith in Jesus Christ, our devotion to Him, to Him, will inevitably put us in conflict with others. But to the best of our ability, the Scriptures have called us to live in peace with others. Do your very best. To live in peace. Show them what peace looks like. Show an outside world what the peace of God can bring to your heart. Be a demonstration of peace. What it looks like to live in peace. The psalmist says, seek peace and pursue it. And through it all, we keep the words of our Savior. In John chapter 16, verse 33. We keep these words close at hand. Jesus says, in me, you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. But listen, in this world, you will have trouble. And that explains it all, doesn't it? In me, you can have peace. But in this world, you'll face conflict. But listen, listen, take heart, because I have overcome the world. Do you belong to the one who has overcome the world? Have you given your life to the one, the only one, who can bring peace and tranquility to your soul? Who can put you in a peaceful, right relationship with God? Because at the present time, if you are not an unbaptized, if you are not, excuse me, a baptized believer, 
then there is turmoil in your relationship with God. And it may not feel like that, but the fact of the matter is that there is. God has sent Jesus to be the one who brings peace between humanity and God. And yet, if we resist that offer, if we say no to God through our inaction, through our unwillingness to come and and give our lives to Christ through, through baptism, then there's conflict and there's enmity between, between you and God. And the only way that there can be peace is for you to come and name the Prince of Peace as your Lord and Savior and to be baptized into His blood. It's His blood that brings peace and only His blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole and complete and healthy and peaceful within? Nothing but the blood. There's some who are here who need to be plunged in that blood today so that you can come up out of that flood one who is at peace with God no matter what's going on out in the world. Do you want peace? Then come and put Jesus Christ on as your Lord and Savior. Are you a believer, but you're struggling? You're you're having some issues in the world regarding peace, and you just need to be reminded that you serve the Prince of Peace. You can come as well, and we'll be happy to pray with you. Use this time to respond to God's gracious invitation of peace while we stand and sing.